0: best year yet. Amen. I got it. (laughs) So I thought just to help me announce uh, this new series that we are starting since it's a new year, do you mind saying to the person next to you that this is going to be your best year yet? (laughs) All right. That was getting me ready to get my notes out of my pocket. (laughs) But I do generally believe when we come up with these series, these series are usually uh, birthed out of prayer, out of time of prayer and fasting. What we do at the end of the year, we take some time to pray and fast, to hear from the Lord so that we can create a menu for the following year. And so this is a prophetic declaration on your life. It's not just a a series title. It is a prophetic declaration on your life that this is going to be your best year yet. That when you look back on the years in your life, you look back to this year and say, wow, that was my best year yet. Amen. Oh, thank you. Awesome. So, uh, the title of my message today is Standing Tall. All right? You, thank you. Like me. You, you, you don't need to be sitting down. You just stand tall. Um, if you're not standing tall, if you are short, uh, stand on a chair. But stand tall nonetheless, all right? <laughs> stand tall inside, says Pastor Andrew, all right? But standing tall. And uh, throughout the series, we are going to be talking from the book of Judges. Uh, some of our pastors will come up in the weeks to come to talk from the book of Judges. And obviously, we are going to couple that with a few other supporting scriptures. But today I am going to be reading from Judges chapter 7. Can we pray before I read Judges chapter 7? Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for your word uh, that comes forth and does not return to you void, but that it accomplishes everything you sent it for and that it prospers in everything that you purpose for it. Lord, we receive it today with gladness and joy because we know that our lives will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. So Judges chapter 7, I'll read, it's going to be a long reading from verse 1 to verse 9, and, uh, and then I'll break it down for us to understand the message. Then Jerubal, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him, rose early and encamped beside the well of Harod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of More in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you, are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I said to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whom, of whomever I said to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps." You shall set apart by himself, likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouth, was three hundred men, but all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the three hundred men who lapped, I will save you, and deliver the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent them away, sorry, he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hands. Amen now if you haven't read your bible for the whole week you've had just a full week dose uh, (laughs) of bible reading but this is a story of Gideon that started in chapter 6 mainly and about a few weeks ago I talked about uh, the encounter of Gideon with God under the terebinth tree and so this is Gideon in chapter 7 but the author of the book of Judges that biblical tradition says that must have been Jeremiah who wrote the book of Judges, opens chapter 7 with Jerubal as the nickname for Gideon. Instead of his previous name, which was Gideon, and this Jerubal was a nickname that was given to him in chapter 6 after he had destroyed the altar of Baal. And the reason why they gave him this nickname was because Well, he defied this Baal God who couldn't defend himself. And when the people wanted to kill him, his father came out and said, Hey, why are you defending a God? If Baal is God, then let him defend himself. And so that became Gideon's nickname. And so we see the person who wrote this intentionally called Gideon by the name of the victory and the defiance that he brought about in his land and then put his own right name in brackets the reason why i'm mentioning this is because when you look at the life of gideon in chapter 6 when he was sitting on the threshing floor threshing with the bible says he was so fearful that after he would finish he would hide from the meat from the Midianites. so he was a fearful man he was not a defiant man he was not a strong man but chapter 7 gives us a different picture Through his name first. Secondly, a different picture is given to us. The Bible says, Gideon had managed to gather 32,000 men behind him. Now, he didn't have a Facebook profile. He, (laughs) He didn't have an Instagram account. He had no posters. He had no flyers. He had nothing. All he had was a word from God under a tree. And with the word from God, he managed to gather 32,000 men to fight without weapons. And so this is a completely different picture of this man, Gideon, who was so afraid and so fearful. But here, he's a leader of 32,000 men. You know, when I'm reading these Bible stories, I, I try to imagine some of these men probably had seen wars in Israel because they were older they, they had seen victories and they had seen defeats they had seen times of jubilation and joy and they had seen times of sorrow and mourning in the country they had seen everything and here comes this little boy Gideon who is trying to convince them to come to battle without anything to fight with but the word he heard from the Lord and a tree. i can imagine this old man saying to his old wife like like you know we fought for a long time but there's something about this boy that is so persuasive that i just want to go and fight and his wife would ask him so is he giving you guns is he giving you what are you going to fight with well he says we're going to be singing while we are fighting with no weapons his wife looks at him and says, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'll let you go. I can imagine the first young man who perhaps had just turned 20, which was the age that they were allowed to go to war, and they, this is their first time to fight. They're excited about fighting. Maybe they're also afraid of fighting because it's their first time. They, they don't have... Gideon was not a soldier. Gideon was not a prince. He had no tactics for battle. All he had was, I heard from God that I should go. Where did you hear from him? From a temple? No, from under a tree. That's where I was when God spoke to me. And these young boys, some of them have just gotten married and they had to tell their wives that they're going to fight. And some of them would have to say their goodbyes because... This might be just the last time they see their wife again. And you can imagine them for the first time saying goodbyes to their wives. You know, we're starting a flag movement. We're going to fight with Gideon. We are going to defend our land. We are going to defend our children, our women. We are going to defend our fields. Oh, you are? What are you going to fight with? Well, we're going to be singing As we go, because that's what the Lord said we should do to Gideon. Maybe the ladies were crying. (laughs) Like, oh no, I'll never see you again. (laughs) 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 Because you're leaving me. The possibility of this man never coming back again was a high probability. Because the Midianites in the natural way, are more powerful than the Israelites. Because for a very long time, the Israelites did not have a king over them. And as such, they did not have an organized army. And so for them to go against the Midianites, they were a vulnerable people. But they just followed the word of God that they heard from a man who was threshing wheat on the threshing floor but what what was so special about Gideon that he would manage to convince people to go to battle with him even without weapons what what was so special about Gideon that he would go from being so afraid and fearful to being this leader who's leading 32,000 men The only word I read in chapter 6 was the angel of the Lord said to him, Go in the strength you have. He did not add anything to the things that Gideon already had. He said, everything you need to win in your life is already in you. He says to Gideon, go in the strength that you have. You, You don't need any Other thing but what I've already given you. And I think it is a message for someone today. That maybe you've been going around and looking for things to make you stronger than you think you are. But God is saying to you that the things that you've always wanted to be the kind of entrepreneur you wanted to be are in you. The things that you've desired to be, that great mother, the great father, great friend, and great husband, they're not things that are external, they're things that God has already placed in you. The reason why I can confidently say that is because because I know that God knows the end from the beginning. And because he knows the end from the beginning, he doesn't give you power for today. He gives you power for eternity for as long as he can use you. He gives you enough for the journey. And so there's nothing you are lacking in your capabilities to be able to pursue the plans of God for your life. If Gideon could do it, you can do it. But what Gideon needed to do, he needed know it, And I believe the journey the Lord took Gideon in chapter 6 was for three things. One was for Gideon to know the gifts that God had placed in his life. Secondly was for him to believe in them. It's one thing to know that you have the gift. It's another to believe that you can use those gifts. And thirdly, he needed to apply those gifts to his own situation and life. He needed these three things, and the Lord took him through a journey. Not that the Lord needed to anoint him more, but the Lord needed to make him more aware of the things he had placed in him. Everything you need to achieve the plans of God for your life is already in you. And so we see Gideon being a prince, from which Pastor Carol loves to use, from being a pauper to being a prince. From being this vain man who was sitting on a threshing floor to being this valiant hero. Someone who came from mediocrity to becoming this mighty warrior for God. And all it took him was to realize that God had placed everything he needed for success in him. And his responsibility was to know it, was to believe in it, and was to apply it to his life in order for that kind of leadership to manifest. And so then the story continues. Then the Lord comes to Gideon and says to him, the people that are with you are too many. Now think for a moment with me. No Facebook profile, no Instagram account, no posters, no flyers. You've managed to gather 32,000 people. And the Lord comes and says, listen, these people are too many. (laughs) Let them go. Some of these guys, as I said earlier, already said their goodbyes to their families. Now they have to hear from Gideon that, hey, before you fight, you're going back home. But the Lord asked Gideon to do this. He says, Everyone who is fearful and afraid. Everyone who is fearful and afraid. Now let me pause there. What's the difference between fear or being fearful and being afraid? Uh, I, I was trying to study this. I think for me, the first primary point of the author putting fearful and afraid is the fact that they wanted to put emphasis on this. And sometime in the Bible interchangeable words are used to imply emphasis and that's the one the second one is that these two words come from two root words or two different root words one means external fear which is to be afraid literally shaking in your boots physically we can see that you are shaking i know it's summer you don't you're not wearing boots but shaking in your slippers and the second one is an internal fear and so the Lord could have been saying this to them in terms of emphasis I want you to get out of your company the most afraid not that all of you are not afraid and uncertain of where you're going but I want you to get out of your company those that are most afraid those that are fearful and those that are afraid. Or secondly, the Lord could have been saying, those that you can tell with your naked eye, that these ones are just... <laughs> these ones, when they see their enemy coming. <laughs> you know, there's, there's an African saying that, I don't know how many of you know it, but that the medicine of fighting is flighting (laughs) but if you (laughs) and so these are people that could potentially run away the moment they see the enemy coming so those ones get them out of your company but how was Gideon going to determine this how was Gideon going to know that these ones are fearful and afraid and these ones are not I believe this is what the Lord asked Gideon Tell them your vision. Tell them where I have called you to go. The moment they hear where I have called you to go, their response will tell you how fearful and afraid they are. Tell them where I have called you to go. Tell them that I want peace in this country, and you are the ones who fight for it. Tell them that I want prosperity for this country. Tell them that they are the ones that will work for it. Tell them, tell them that I want protection for the vulnerable in this country. Inform them that they are the ones that will bring that about. And their response to the vision I have given you will determine whether they should go or stay behind. Tell them the vision I have given you. Now my first point of the message, I have this habit of always going ahead of myself. But my first point is this. Surround yourself with the right people if you want to stand tall in 2018 you've got to surround yourself with the right people and how do you surround yourself with the right people thank you Pastor Andrew says I'm sticking with my wife (laughs) surround yourself with the right people And how do you determine these people? The business plan that was birthed out of prayer. Tell it to them. Tell them the vision you have for your children and your marriage. And then you determine if they're friends that will go the journey with you. Tell them, tell them that you're not quitting on your family. Tell them that you're going to fight for your marriage. Tell them that you are going to start that business. Tell them that your children are going to prosper and not be on drugs. Tell them that and see if they'll stick and walk the journey with you. Because that is going to determine whether they are fearful and afraid. When you tell them you're going to fight for your marriage and they start to tell you, men are always like that or women are always like that, then you know they can't go with you. Because the moment you are confronted with adversity, they will be the ones to tell you, pull away, just, just run from this marriage or run from this place. Tell them the vision that God has given you for your purity as a single person. Tell them, tell them that God says, I am not going to have any intercourse until I'm married. And you judge for yourself. If that's the company that's going to take you on the journey. If you want to know the will of God. And disqualify some guys who are coming to your life. Tell them. Tell them. Wait until we get married. We're going to live for eternity. Whatever you want. You're going to get it. (laughs) But not now. Until we're married. And then you tell me. If that's the person who's going to stay the journey with you. Because Gideon had to tell them the vision that God had given him in order for him to determine who is fearful and who is afraid. Tell them your vision to determine. Should I continue, Pastor Andrew? There you go. <laughs> All right, the people were fearful. This is how I define them. One is that it's people who are more afraid of the enemy's strength and terror than trusting in God's strength and protection. Someone who always sees the negative things in your plans. There is never a hopeful counsel. Like, you know, you told me that your business is struggling. Don't go look for a job. (laughs) Just fight for your business. I think God has got a plan for this business. This business is going to prosper. This business is going to grow. Yes, you're experiencing challenges, but but, 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 but be there. God is going to prosper you. Not someone who's going to come, bro, I think you need to quit this thing. Just go find yourself a job. <laughs> People who always are terrified of adversity than trusting in God. There's always going to be adversity. Whether you are in the will of God or outside of the will of God, there's always going to be adversity. But you need people that are going to say to you, you are going to win. You are going to win. The second way I define the fearful is they're more concerned with losing against the enemy than winning with God. It's always about the other people so much that we magnify our adversary and our God looks like this minute thing that we have believed in that when we hear stories of your family you talk more about how much your family is cursed than how much it is blessed When we hear about the stories of your life, if somebody didn't know the God you have believed in, they would think this is a guy from some shop here at the mall. They would not imagine that God being the creator of the universe because of the way you speak about adversity. Always concerned about losing than winning with God. Yes, I need people on my side who think losing is a possibility. But winning is always a guarantee. Winning is always a guarantee. I know, yes, we can lose. But the Bible says that God makes all things work together for the good of them that love him. And so even the possibility of losing would still work together for my good. And so I need people who can tell me that. So he says, people... (laughs) Thank you, Pastor Andrew. I think that suits you. I should give you this jacket. <laughs> and so, the Lord continues with the story after he had asked Gideon, the fearful and the afraid should go back. Now Gideon is waiting to see who is going to go back. Now, all of these are men. Okay? <laughs> The assumption is that men are not fearful and afraid. That they are always bold and courageous and strong. But these are 32,000 men. And Gideon is watching one by one. 22,000 men turn back and go. 22,000 out of 32. Imagine you are a leader who is called to take on your enemy. And you see the majority of your soldiers... (laughs) Leading you. <laughs> you start to question the very thing you heard from God. It's like, did I hear you right, Lord? Did you? Maybe, maybe you, maybe, maybe you are speaking in riddles. Maybe you are saying the reverse of that. uh That the 22,000 people should stay and the rest should go. And he's seeing one by one 22,000 people that he has worked for for a very long time, perhaps, to get together. Because transportation in those days was not as we have it today so to gather thirty-two thousand people must have taken him some time sometimes this year in order for you to stand tall there are people that may have invested in your life or you may have invested in for a very long time and it's it's painful to have to see them leave but in order for you to get to the place where god wants you to get maybe maybe that's okay Maybe that's okay that you experience that kind of pain of seeing them go. So that you can be by yourself with God to get to where God wants you to get. Because they're fearful and they're afraid. And so God says to him, hey, second test, the rest 10,000 people that are left are still too many for you, Gideon. Now this is where I have a problem with God sometimes. God has this skill of using foolishness to take glory for himself. That, that he would say to the disciples, "It says, feed 5,000 men with five loaves and two fish. It's foolishness. How do we even start? How many pieces of fish do you have to break this into to start distributing the first line? this is foolishness but god has this thing of using foolishness to take glory for himself he says to gideon these people are still too many i don't want you to say at the end of winning this war that it was your strength then i'm saying lord listen if you really wanted to win this why did you have to get me to work in the first place like just win this thing by yourself and we will come and join you why do you want me to go through all this to fight and then give you glory for the fight? I think the hardest part of our faith is not that God can do it, It's that God can do it through me. God is powerful and strong by himself. And it's easier for us to believe that God can do it. But it's more difficult to believe that God can do it through you. And so God is wanting to get Gideon to a place where Gideon would understand that, yeah, I'm the one who's going to do it, God. But I want to do it through you, Gideon. So your participation does not mean you are the one doing it. I'm just doing it through you. And sometimes we feel like we need to work hard for things. I don't think we are working hard for things. God is working hard for things through us. God wanted the glory to be ascribed to him for the winning of the battle. But he still wanted Gideon and the people to be involved. Because he knew that they needed to get to a place where they understand that God is not only just powerful by himself. God is powerful through me. That God doesn't just work miracles and wonders by himself. But that God works miracles and wonders through me. That they needed, God needed them to understand that the goodness of God is not just God is good. It's that God is good to me. And so he needed their participation. And so he says, take these people to the river for me. I don't understand why God wanted them to go to the river. Uh, Pastor Carol is doing a master's and um, (laughs) she'll explain. (laughs) So, So if you need answers, please speak to her at the end. She'll be standing at the back answering all the questions regarding why God wanted them to go to the river. So I don't have any theological explanation as to why they went to the river. But God said, nonetheless, go to the river. Now, I thought we could make as... Educated people inspired educated suggestions as to why God may want them to go to the river. But God says, take them to the river and God gives them the following instructions. He says, two types of people. The one would be the people that would go on their knees and drink water. The other type of people would be people that get water somehow with their hands and drink water. As the dog drinks. And so, my postulation or suggestion around the water is this. In those days, they did not have mirrors. And so, water gave them a reflection of who they were of themselves. So, going to the water would obviously give you the ability to see yourself in the the river... And if you have a long beard, you realize that, oh, (laughs) actually this is how long it is, you know. (laughs) And so, so that would be the first reason for the river. The second reason for the river would be that the river obviously would give them water to drink, which would give them satisfaction for their thirst. you agree? And so I thought based on these two things, I can say the following. So they get to the river. Some men go on their knees. As they go on their knees to drink water, they see their own faces in the water. And they start to drink without coming up. Now remember these are people who have been recruited to go and fight. But at the river, instead of... As dogs do, they drink and they look up. They're not doing that. They're drinking, focusing on the water instead of focusing both on the water and on the enemy who might be coming ahead of them. And so God says, the people who are going to be drinking water and only be focusing on the satisfaction of themselves will not go with you. The people who are, just, who are just going to be self-centered, egocentric. They're just, just about their own satisfaction. Those ones shouldn't go with you. Because in order for you to win the battle, you need to be collected or together. And so people who are just concerned about their thirst and their own need shouldn't go with you. And so they get to the water. As they're drinking, about 700, did I say 700? 7,700 people were self-centered, self-focused, and focused on their own satisfaction rather than the corporate satisfaction of the people. And only 300 men were drinking like dogs, looking up ahead, beyond just their own satisfaction, to the satisfaction of the whole community. And this is how I define them. The first one is the people who are more concerned about self-satisfaction rather than corporate satisfaction. And the second people are people who are more concerned about their own survival than the victory of the nation. Here is the problem with these two kinds of people. The people who are so concerned about their own survival have the potential to change camps when they're faced with adversity so that they can stay alive. Because for as long as they're alive, they're fine. They would even change camps and go to the other side of the enemy and see you suffer. Provided that they are okay. Because their survival is more important to them than the victory of the nation. And the second kind of people are the people who are only focused on their need. The difficulty with these people is that your friendship and your company can only grow in proportion to their need. As long as their need is satisfied, they're fine. Your business runs in proportion to how much money they need. We won't employ anybody as long as my family is looked after. This business isn't going anywhere because my need is met. And God says, these people will not go. With you. See, my question to us this morning is Will you rather go through the pain of letting the people go and enjoy the victory that comes with God? Or would you rather sit in the comfort of your poverty, of your mentality, of your negative thinking because you are refusing to get out of it and pursue and follow God? Where he's calling you. And sometimes we have people who choose to sacrifice the destiny of their families. Because of the pain of leaving their comfort zones right now. And follow God where he's calling their family to. Because letting 7,700 people go. When you're only left with 300 men to fight with against an enemy who's known to be so vicious lord how do you even start doing that maybe you can't imagine your life without these people but god can and that's all you need god has imagined your life without these people because they are dead weight for your destiny They are pulling you backward instead of pushing you forward into the plans that God has for you. And in order for you to stand tall in 2018, you need to let them go. Rather cry looking them in their back than live a life of misery for the rest of your life with them. Because God has imagined your future without them. Anyway, the people continue, and they continue to go to battle. After the Lord said to Gideon, Well, with the 300 men, I will give you victory. Maybe Gideon may have thought, "Lord, The Lord is going to give us swords from heaven right now, and uh, it's going to rain and fall, and we are going to be armed for this battle, and we'll be fine. The Lord is going to change his mind. No. The Lord said to Gideon, take three things with your men. Take a torch, take a trumpet, and a torch would be inside a pitcher to hide the light from shining. And this is what you're going to say when you see the enemy. The sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. And then the enemy's going to (laughs) run. This is... foolishness (laughs) foolishness <laughs> jesus is this okay fine is that the first step and then what's the second step <laughs> no these are all the steps that you need to follow and so then the 300 men went into battle and they followed the instruction of gideon before i go there let me pause here and share a testimony of a friend of mine um, this is kun and that's dorian if you say you know Kun, just he's going to listen to the podcast and say, yeah, Kun! <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> uh, if you've known Kun for any amount of time, you would know Dorian, even if you have not met Dorian, because every single thing Kun says is, Oh, Dorian this, Dorian that, Dorian this, Dorian that. And so I, I asked him, I said, Bro, I want you to share some things with me that you think your friendship with Dorian has given you. Because uh, I would meet with Kun, um, there would be anything, literally. He would say, bro, can, can, I, can I just, can I meet with, uh, with Dorian on this, and, and I'll get back to you. Oh, oh, bro, I met with Dorian. This is what he said about this issue. I met with, and, and so forth. I felt like he'd, he, their friendship is such an exemplary friendship of two men who are somehow equally yoked and are pursuing the dreams that God has for both them as individuals, but them with their families, their businesses, and so forth. And so, Kun didn't give me the three things that I asked for. He gave me a letter that he had sent to Dorian, which I found awkward (laughs) for... (laughs) I asked him, I said, bro... um, So you write letters to men. (laughs) (laughs) He said, bro, when the love of God is distorted, we shouldn't stop loving the God's way. It, It doesn't mean just because two men are walking hand in hand and they're homosexuals it doesn't mean we cannot love each other as brothers the way christ would want us to love each other it's still real in the kingdom that we should love one another as christ would want us to love each other anyway so he gave me this letter that he's been writing so he (laughs) i think this must have been in his diary (laughs) and the diary has a lock. He says this, this is the, re- the latest, now this is Kuhn reading, okay? So pretend I'm Kuhn. He says to Dorian, bro, we couldn't be more different than uh, the world would think. Uh, you were a pastor, an elder by a big church. I was barely saved. You were a CEO of a listed company. I was just an entrepreneur of a small business. You have walked the earth longer than me. But our God has, rather, our God had other plans. Uh, We have been friends for over 10 years, and we have raced our bikes all over our beautiful country. We have had the privilege of racing in Italy on the world's best uh, bike. But nothing compares to what it means to do life with you. We are the Lord, as he says, iron sharpens iron. You have sharpened my life just like I have yours. Above all above all the things we have done, the privilege of being able to stand side by side with you to honor the life uh, of my late brother-in-law and for us to serve my family and reach out to them all and see what the impact of our friendship meant with us. Placing God first in all we do and using this to shape our daily lives as we do life together. We cry together, we laugh together, we drink tons of coffee together, we ride um, thousands of miles together, but together our friendship can serve our God, our families, our church, as we sharpen one another. And this is a beautiful story of a beautiful (laughs) friendship. And so my story continues. Then, as I conclude, the Lord says this to Gideon, as it happened on the same night, that the Lord said to him, "Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand." Then the three companies blew the trumpets and, and broke the pitchers. They held torches in their hands and the rather in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing, and they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon and every man stood in his place all around the camp and the whole am um, the whole army ran and cried out and fled now this is again just the foolishness of God working in our lives as the bible says that the carnal mind does not understand the things of the spirit because they are spiritually discerned three things that they took with them to battle, And I'll give us a quick wrap of the kind of friends you should have. One is that they took their trumpets. Now, trumpets were used for, for praise. Trumpets were used to call people to worship. Trumpets were used to, uh, to almost mobilize people to do something. And I believe their trumpets was to remind them to declare the word of God that the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon, the sword which is the word of God. And so they had to take this, the trumpets, they had to take the torches. I believe the torches represents the light of God, which represents the word of God. As David says, your word is light unto my feet. And so they are going into battle With instruments of praise. With a heart of gratitude. With a reminder that hey we serve a God who is more powerful than our enemy. And that our focus should not be on the the weapons of our enemy. But our focus should be on glorifying the king and on praising God. And the trumpet should be a reminder for us to always do that in battle. And the last one they had was the cry. They did not stop speaking the word of God. Listen. You will be faced with adversity in your life. But the word of God, the Bible says, is sharper than a double-edged sword. So all you need to win is the word of God. When you are confronted with something in your life, Speak the word. I can promise you it will work. Just speak it. Speak the word. And so, what kind of friends should we have? What I did was I just did the reverse of what the Lord said to Gideon. He shouldn't have. So, the fearful and the afraid, I said the courageous and the hopeful. People who are courageous and people who are full of hope. People, when you meet with them, they always speak hope in your family. Hope in your marriage. Hope in your business. They're courageous. They're not the most afraid. They know that there's uncertainty there. But they know that as long as God is with us, our victory is guaranteed. And so the Lord said those who are self-centered and selfish and focused on their own satisfaction. What I did is that people who are not self-centered and people who are not selfish. And thirdly, with those people, we build a culture of gratefulness to God. We remind ourselves that God is bigger than any situation we face because of our trumpets. We always carry with us, not the words of our mothers, although they're amazing, but the word of God. We remind ourselves of the word of God. And every time we are confronted with difficulty, we remind ourselves to cry to the Lord. Please stand with me. And I believe these things will help us to be able to stand tall and experience our best years yet. If the Lord has spoken to you in any way or form, Maybe they're already friends or groups of people or a group of people or a person that you feel the Lord has highlighted to you. I can be radical, but one of the things I do is I'm radically accountable. Because if you are radically unaccountable, It's just a matter of time before you become too self-centered to yourself and get lost. And so you might want to make some radical decisions in your life, but I'm going to ask you to be accountable to someone. Find someone you can pray with in your life and say, these are the friends that the Lord has highlighted to me. And I feel like the Lord is asking me to release them. Yeah, be radical that way, but be accountable. Have someone that can be objectively uh, speaking into your life. Someone who can say, maybe why don't we pray more about this friend? Because I think you're running from them. Because you might be the problem. And only somebody else might be able to help you with that perspective or that view. But it must be someone who's carrying the word of God with him and someone who knows how to cry to the Lord for you to make these decisions in your life and if you're married here today this is not a message from a pastor saying go back to your home and divorce your wife because the pastor said well you've got to let these people go my wife is one of these people (laughs) see that's not the message you are in a covenant with your wife And no one has the authority to break the covenant that you have placed yourselves in under God. And so that's not what I'm saying. I'm not giving you any authority to go home and do that. Because you're in covenant with your wife. So Father, I pray today in Jesus' name. That you would give us grace and wisdom. To be able to do this. You would give us grace and wisdom to stand tall this year. And go after the things that you have for us. For our families, for our businesses, for our work. Give us grace and wisdom, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord family if you don't mind just closing your eyes for a moment and we're going to close just now I'm going to give an opportunity to someone here today and you've made a decision that you know I want to start this year with Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior and you know that you've never made that decision in your life to say Jesus Christ be the Lord and Savior of my life but you are determined that this 2018 will not start like that for you if that's you i want you to wave at me and i'm going to help you pray a prayer of receiving jesus Christ as your personal lord and savior if that's you just wave at me we won't embarrass you we'll just pray with you if that's you just wave at me thank you jesus thank you jesus for that hand Can we pray this prayer together? And if you've raised your hand and this is the first time that you're praying this prayer, I want you to pray these words and speak it with faith. Say, Lord Jesus, I speak with my mouth that you are Lord, that God raised you from the dead. I receive you in my heart as my Savior and my Lord jesus name